The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, this is Tyler. Are you looking to jump behind the DM screen but worry about being at a loss for words? What if a team of professional writers were sitting right there beside you during your prep and in-game, helping you describe your world and bring it to life? Describe is the next best thing. Spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B, Describe offers over 7,000 scenes of places, monsters, and spells, and the collection keeps growing. They're just like box text from your favorite adventure book, but designed to be read aloud in your own campaign. Start the adventure of a lifetime with the help of Describe's finely crafted flavor text. Visit Describe.com slash RPGbot. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot slash RPGbot. And use the code RPGbot at checkout to get 10% off of your first subscription payment. RPGbot.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Random Pal. Howdy. All right, folks, it has been a busy week in news for RPGs and RPG bots. In particular, we had D&D Direct last week, and the most exciting thing announced, we finally have a release date for the D&D movie. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we yeah. do. And, uh, you know, we've got, it'll be next year. Uh, we got art of uh, a pirate ship on the Sword Coast. Uh, we get the title Honor Among Thieves. And uh, we also get the ability to beat this horse, which has been long since dead. Uh, so, <laughs> honestly, I can't be grateful enough uh, for that fantastic option. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, the March 3rd, 2023, release date? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, I will almost certainly have a movie marathon where I watch all of the previous D&D movies beforehand to get myself emotionally ready for this film. Difficulty I'm going to have is figuring <laughs> what about you? You want to set the bar to a particular point so that this movie can leap across the bar. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, but, also, I'm going to have some have moles leap across that bar, but all right. <laughs> I'm also going to have to figure out where you can stream them because I don't know the answer. Oh, uh, we're going to have to get like, you know, $50 DVDs off of eBay because somebody found them and like <laughs> thousands of them in the back of Paramount or whoever organized it last time. <laughs> Uh, it's, they're actually being sold as entire coaster sets uh, for people who use coasters <laughs> on their coffee tables. Good. But this one, this one's going to be awesome. I'm super excited about it. Chris Pine, you're going to rock it. Yeah. Yeah. Opening night. We'll be there. I mean, not, you know, not at like the premiere. Cause we're not going to get, I mean, maybe <laughs> if you're out there, if you're listening, we'd come, we'd wear Str- shirts. Stranger things have happened to us. <laughs> no, no. Stranger things happened to a group of actors. Oh, <laughs> we should get that premiere, right? We should start talking about that. Okay, all right. Okay, let's pause. Let's pause. There were probably more exciting things discussed at D&D Direct. Uh, and to hear more about it, we're going to go to Tyler. Uh, well, so we got this brand new thing that I've definitely never heard of called Spelljammer. 
It's like a counterspell, right? It's it jams your spells. No, I, I'm kidding. We we have talked about this at length on previous episodes. We anticipated this all the way back in the fall in the future of D and D panel when we were you know reading various tea leaves. The new spell jammer set was announced. It is a box set that's going to come with three small books in it. They're about sixty four pages each. So you have your setting and play option book your monster book and a short adventure. And it also comes with a DM screen, which I'm, we haven't gotten any details on what's on the DM screen, but I'm really hoping it has all of the rules for how Spelljammer ships work. Cause if you need a Spelljammer specific DM screen, I feel like that's what you're there for. Okay. And a map, by the way, double-sided map, which presumably includes, you know, a ship, a Spelljammer. No, that makes good sense. So to pause for a second for folks who maybe aren't familiar with the Spelljammer world, um, can you talk a little bit more about it? D&D in space. That's pretty much it. So uh, basically you have these ships called Spelljammers, which allow you to travel through what is essentially space and move between crystal spheres, which are uh, independent worlds within the material plane. So like, the Forgotten Realm setting is a crystal sphere, and you take your Spelljammer ship and move between those settings. So it's a lot about what happens in between those places and what happens when someone from a from one world goes and visits another world. We, we're getting a bunch of new race options in the player book for this, which include all the ones that we've seen in the Travelers of the Multiverse Unearthed Arcana. I incorrectly saw Thrykreen and thought, oh, yes, definitely Dark Sun this year. Apparently, Thrykreen are in Spelljammer. So, uh, you know, that's on me. We're not going to get Dark Sun this year. So hold out hope for future years. But Thrykreen in space. Yeah. Bug people in space. And and the reason we had to have a Spelljammer is because if you attempt to cross that barrier without a Spelljammer, you go boom. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm pretty sure it's just outright impossible to do. Okay. The real implication is like spell jammers, which by the way are uh, creatures that function as ships, and then people built ships to do, to act like spell jammers. <laughs> but you know, fifth edition that might get a little bit of a softening rewrite. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> that would probably make sense, but yeah, um, the, more the, of a Cortana the... thing going on than <laughs> yeah. It's not a place I was expecting to get triggered tonight. All right. Um, <laughs> the substance between crystal spheres is this stuff called phlogiston, which is extremely flammable. I think that spell jammers are mostly there as a way for you to navigate the space of, you know, liquid propane, because that's what exists between settings. <laughs> liquid propane. All right. Yeah. Uh, so so it's, people... it's literally propane and propane accessories bundled <laughs> into a ship. Okay, good. So for people hearing box set and uh, feeling their wallets hurt, if you're looking at the previous box set, the core rule box set, and then the um, rules expansion gift set, those were like 150 bucks. Uh, the Spelljammer box set pre-order on D&D Beyond is only $50. So uh, physical copies will likely be somewhere in that range more likely slightly more expensive because they have to give you a physical box but who knows so it it's not gonna be crazy expensive it's not that much more expensive than just buying any of the way any one of the regular source books all right uh i guess there were more tea leaves that we read a few months ago were we confirmed on any, anything else yes dragon lance uh th- we got very little information about this one so far there was a really cool trailer there were dragons uh i didn't see any lances 
we, we know that we're getting one can an, presume one can presume we know that we're getting an adventure book and the heroes of crin battle game and that is basically all of the information we have a, a kind of funny thing if you go and watch the uh the D direct on youtube where it has the like running chat next to it as it was recorded live and people were doing it the dragon lance pit was just like the last i don't know 90 seconds of it and the person they got to narrate it i boy i i will butcher the actress's name trying to pronounce it she's been in a number of things including arcane recently she was in um expanse the expanse so the the entire chat was just like the name of her character from the expanse spammed like 12 times <laughs> as she was doing the narration no one even bothered like calling out that it was uh uh that it was dragonlance which was funny but no i mean it it does look really cool if it's the same that we've been getting in the unearth arcana stuff there's definitely um in that unearth arcana which we'll touch on later there's definitely some things that are um more and less frightening uh as as far as character options go the the battle game does look interesting there's uh like a, a miniatures and cards based thing so um WizKids has been generally putting out some decent products so i i'll be excited to see what that looks like when it and the, the battle game is going to be like a standalone game that somebody could just go purchase so it'll be a dragon lance flavored game that folks can enjoy independent of their D adventures Correct. Yeah, as, as I understood it, that's that's the goal, and you know, it, it's still very definitely very D and D themed and very Dragonlance themed, but it is intended to be a board game, not a D and D. Yeah, it's kind of. I think it's kind of funny. Like the the D and D board game that I played that I think I enjoyed the most uh, was actually the uh, House on Haunted Hill D and D spinoff. I say that to say I'm kind of curious to see how this goes. We're gonna buy it. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure that at some point the three of us will be in the same place and we can give you a review of it. Yes. Uh, we also got a couple of other products. We're just kind of going to kind of rattle those off quickly because we don't have a ton of details on them yet. We're getting another new 5th edition starter set. So there was the first starter set, which has the famous Lost Mine of Fandelver adventure, the Essentials Kit, which brought in the sidekick rules for the first time now we're getting a new starter set which is supposed to be you know improved based on years of improved experience from wizards of the coast to make it even easier for people to get into the game so i'm sure we'll be reviewing that once we can get a copy they announced a new kind of pog looking thing in a travel case like you've got a bunch of flat discs which re with reusable vinyl stickers that you can use as miniatures so like that's a nice low low volume doesn't take up a lot of space uh hopefully inexpensive solution to miniatures which generally can be very very pricey if you want a big collection yeah i this did not excite me so much <laughs> Totally fine. Uh, I've got boxes and boxes of miniatures sitting up on my shelf. Uh, um, shelves. The uh, I'm still trying to go through the first three Reapers Bones Kickstarters. <laughs> they just put up another one recently, so you know. Uh, we also got the Monstrous Compendium, which is a digital-only free collection of monsters, which is available both on the Wizards website and on D&D Beyond. So a couple other things in the video game world. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, getting more updates a wonderful little uh, couple-minute video we had from Larian, um, who, if you somehow have been playing D&D and never heard of Baldur's Gate, but have heard of Larian's other work, they do great stuff. Uh, Divinity Original Sin, 
uh, and Baldur's Gate 3, of course, is basically just that, but more, and also with D20s. We also get an expansion for the Neverwinter MMO, uh, which very Tiamat-themed, lots of chromatic dragons. That is good news. Uh, and then, weirdly, and so, like, these two things kind of meshed in my brain. So we also get D&D Onslaught, which is a tactical skirmish miniatures game, is sort of in the flavor of Warriors of Kryn that we talked about. They're probably different things. <laughs> I don't know that I could tell you exactly what's different about them, um, apart from one of them is presumably Kryn flavor. Yeah, we we have very, very little information at this stage, but we'll keep an eye on it. That's basically everything we've gotten from the Dean Do Direct. And of course, the very next day, we got another Arnurthed Arcana article. So they released a second round for Heroes of Kryn, which is options that we're going to see in the upcoming Dragonlance adventure. And they made some updates to what was in there. Uh, it came with an accompanying interview video where they talked about uh, like what was working well what they wanted from the feedback process. The Lunar Sorcerer that we saw last time around, they were very happy with all the feedback, so that's no longer in the document. That's really interesting to me. I mean, you know, obviously not being the recipient of that feedback and then being incredibly vague about what feedback they were happy with. Like, you know, if someone said, ah, yes, I want to play this. Like, that's cool. I want to play that too. (laughs) But that character is going to be busted walking out the gate. So I'm, I'm very curious to see... I, I wish that they had let us see the iteration on it instead of just saying, great, thanks. Well, I mean, so do you think that character, right, will it be, I'm here to wreck my DM's day? I, I certainly hope not. But, I mean, if they released it, you know, as is the, in, in the first UA that we got, dang, you should never play anything else. <laughs> like, the, like okay. the I, we we talked about it in in that episode, which you can go listen to. And man, like they're like, okay, what if we took a sorcerer and then made it a wizard and a half? Good, good talk. Yeah, I, I'm hoping we see nerfs. They did they did kind of the same thing with the way of the ascendant dragon monk, where like they put out one round of unearthed arcana. People were really happy with it. They got a bunch of feedback, and then the final released version was severely nerfed, and they may have gone a little too far on that uh, a lot of people were way less happy with the the final publicized version so i'm i'm hoping that they managed to find a sweet spot with the lunar sorcerer so i'm personally hoping that like the internet collectively gathered and everybody was just like you know yeah this is great you know we don't love it right we think it's it's a little bit hard to play um but i think you know just put it in the book we'll see put it in the book <laughs> Who knows? That's the organization we really need. Um, we also got updates to the Kender. So they lost their their weird trait where they could pull random items out of their pockets, which is a oh, callback. Thank God. To, yeah, a callback to the Kender's history of uh, quote borrowing things. Yeah, I did a I did a one shot recently where I was playtesting some some material, I'll say, and it it happened to be right after the Unearthed Arcana came out. So I had a player play. Uh, play the kinder race it it was interesting and there were some funny things that we did with it but it ultimately like it was more or less completely in the rp vein but not in a way that necessarily was solving problems got it and so i'm i'm really happy to see that go because i it was great flavor and i think as a as a dm you might make the choice to allow that flavor to come in from time to time but having it be like a built-in mechanic felt uh yeah yeah, I could see that. Uh, well, they replaced that with 
a skill proficiency. They kept the ability to taunt people and annoy them in combat and immunity to fear. So it feels like the most of the Kender flavor is still there, but they're less like random objects fall out of my pockets. I also learned from the the interview video that accompanied the Unearthed Arcana release that apparently Kender descended from gnomes, not from halflings, which was uh, new knowledge for me. Uh, we also got a bunch of new feats. So we got some new feats in the original Heroes of Kryn Unearthed Arcana, and they've expanded that collection and updated the existing ones a bit. It looks like they're really leaning into giving players feats as part of the War of the Lance storyline. So the adventure that's going to come out later this year for Dragonlance, uh, characters participating in that story will start with a feat at first level for free and get another one automatically when they reach character level four. So even if you multi-class, you're still going to get a feat. Now the feats are coming from a specific list and you can choose like, if you choose one of the two backgrounds included in the UA document, you get a specific feat. And if you don't use one of those two documents or one of those two backgrounds, you can pick from a small list that has some things like uh, tough or skilled and a couple other options. And then at level four, there's a slightly larger list of options, which includes things like Sentinel and Warcaster. So like these aren't crazy insane gonna break your game feats most likely but they are it is still some power creep so i'm hoping that the published story will account for that in some way uh but it's it's interesting to see what they're doing with the backgrounds yeah and, and this is one of those places where i think i I'm, I'm going to really lean into one of uh tyler's core tenets of your setting specific material should generally stay in your setting this is more a a a conversation to the players um like don't expect your dm to say ah yes you can have these backgrounds in your fey rune game you know that you're going to take in and go uh fight in the abyss you know uh, and then back out of the abyss this is not something where you should say i i expect you to give me two feats for free on every character like tyler was saying the story is hopefully going to be balanced around that in the War of the Lance, and I would strongly caution against letting this into most games because it just represents straight power creep. Yeah, I guess that's what I want to follow up with. So if the adventure accounts for it, so that the encounters are, you know, they do milestone leveling, the encounters account for the fact that these are stronger parties, that's fantastic. What about their home brewer, Right. What about the person trying to create content in this setting? How are you going to balance your encounters? You know, what are, how, you know, are they going to make a recommendation about if you take these rules, then maybe you add this much percentage to your, uh, your XP pool for a given adventuring day? Um, is that something that maybe like, maybe we take a look at it and we throw out a rule of thumb, but I'd love it if they actually put that rule of thumb out for folks. Honestly, what that might end up boiling down to, as far as I'm concerned, I would, like, if they do put out that published module, I would start looking at functionally encounter levels um, for each of the things and at the level that you're expected to fight them, and I would see how that compares to a different published module that has built-in milestone leveling, like, say, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So I would look at, like, I would compare the two and say, like, okay, we're here, we're going to get say um from levels four to five we're gonna get four standard and three hard and two deadly challenges in crin whereas it would be like uh one less of each 
and all three of those were easy instead in Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So do something like a regression analysis to just fit like the encounter difficulty against party level and see if, right, is that a steeper line? Maybe that sounds like the sort of thing that uh, a website that puts out a bunch of DM resources based on math should do. Oh. 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 <laughs> no, actually, that sounds like a fun project. So it really does. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Yeah. yeah so I, I hope that goes well. Um, so th- there are two trees, trees, feet trees that, that are introduced in the UA. There's the high that sorcery tree. Terrifying. Feet trees just dangling in the wind. Oh, <laughs> uh, so there's a there's a high sorcery tree and a knights of something tree. Uh, the knight tree is clearly intended for martial characters. The high sorcery tree is intended for casters. The high sorcery tree gives you spells from various classes spell lists. So like that's a great option if you're like I want I'm a cleric I want booming blades so I don't suck with weapons or I'm a wizard I'd sure like to be able to cast healing word. Lots of room for optimization in those things. The Knight Feet Tree grants martial maneuvers and some superiority dice. So if you have a dream of playing a Battlemaster and having all the maneuvers, just all the maneuvers, now is your time. Your time has come. You can get like six superiority dice and like ten extra maneuvers out of these things. It is gonna be a lot of fun for people who enjoy battle masters and even if you're not a battle master fighter like yeah you got a couple of maneuvers to throw around it should be fun so we need the internet to gather together and give positive feedback but not too strong a positive feedback (laughs) make it very clear like we'll play with this once don't do this again (laughs) perfect i am very excited because and we excuse us please for burying the lead a little bit so dnd beyond has been acquired by Wizards of the Coast, which is itself part of Hasbro. That's huge. That is a thing that uh, the internet just kind of collectively threw open their jaws <laughs> and said, what? You, you, what? The, the biggest officially licensed thing, as far as tools go, suddenly becoming a part of the mothership, what's this going to mean? There's a ton of things that it could mean, and there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, so you say that it's huge. Let's actually talk about it by the numbers. So $146.3 million acquisition. They're bringing on a... All cash, apparently. Yeah. Which, jeez. Just sitting on that treasure trove. (laughs) Everybody's... It's like, why did did they sell the the expansion rules box set? Oh. (laughs) Oh, 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 there we go. That that's a joke. We don't know for certain that that's what happened. <laughs> but we do know for certain that it was carried across in chests and platinum pieces. They were very heavy. <laughs> yeah, uh, there. It's a team of eighty people, um, and the projected operating profit margin, once combined with Hasbro, is in excess of sixty-five percent. So it is like this entity under Hasbro will print money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I imagine. Like the increase in profit margin there was D and D beyond paying Wizards of the Coast to license the content, and like Wizards of the Coast doesn't have to pay themselves to license their own content, so all of a sudden that just becomes cash in Hasbro's pocket. So, th- yeah, that 
Although I guess that was already cash and has frozen. It's gonna be good for them. It's gonna be great. It, it's more now. Yeah, it's 100%. investing in the future. All right. So we, I mean, we've we've been a little bit businessy, which leads itself to a little bit of grim. <laughs> there's a like I was saying. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's certainly a lot of good things that could happen. There's also some things that you know could be very worrying. Well, let me put it to you guys. Okay, um, let's do a classic. You know, a spin on the compliment sandwich. I'd love to hear from each of you. Something you're look you're looking forward to, something you're optimistic about, something you're a little worried about, and then let's close on a high note. Something else that you think is going to be good, because I think ultimately we do expect probably there there could be more good than bad here. Yeah. One thing that was interesting, if you if you go and read Hasbro's actual press release about this, one thing that's just nebulous as to whether or not we should be excited is that they were likening it to expanding into the digital market with magic arena. And I'm just going to leave that alone and then go on into this compliment sandwich. One thing that I am very hopeful for is a better incorporation of edge cases. Um, People who read my guides may be utterly sick and tired of hearing me talk about how good the telekinetic feed is. But if you don't understand how good the telekinetic feed is, you're wrong and you should go read my guides. Um, So it is really good. Telekinetic <laughs> has never been implemented correctly in D&D Beyond. If you already have the Mage Hand feat, or said the Mage Hand cantrip, it expands the range by 30 feet. However, in D&D Beyond, if you have the Mage Hand cantrip and you take Telekinetic, you get two instances of 30-foot Mage Hand in your character sheet. And it's been like that since introduction, which was... Uh, what well, telekinetic was Tasha's, right? So that's yeah, three years. It's like two and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> I am very excited for with the combined forces of all of these great minds. Let's fix all of the random edge case stuff. Let's fix that. Let's fix weirdness with dampier bite attacks are only sometimes weapons and not. <laughs> I'm very excited to get all of those resources focused on smoothing out everything. I am worried, and this this one is sort of double-edged, I could very much see a world in which they do decide to monetize on this even harder, and right now we have, like, a banner at the top for, like, hey, you should buy our new thing, and that's great. But, you know, I could very much see, like, you go to roll your your attack roll, and they're like, oh, before I let you roll that attack roll, (laughs) how about you look at this month's dice? You want to pay them? You want to pay us a dollar for them? No? Okay, fine. I'll let you roll. Yeah, if you buy $3 dice skins every month, they stop advertising them to you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Uh, On the other hand, while this is definitely meant to be a profit-generating exercise, because that's how businesses and capitalism work, um, I could also see a thing where they say, okay, we don't need to to monetize this as hard. Maybe let's start giving some of our other stuff that we've made anyway into this maybe let's give people other background like uh D beyond character sheet background art from our books you know maybe like so right now we have like mystic odyssey of, of theros as a like character sheet background option give us strahd give us dungeon of the mad mage give us these things because like the art's there and like sure you could charge a dollar for it but honestly you don't really need to okay i gotta tell you here's what i imagine could happen 
uh, given I don't know the past decade of of watching what media companies do. What if they stop selling us books on D and D Beyond, and instead you can pay a monthly subscription fee and have access to everything? And maybe it's tiered that if you pay for the higher tier, you get access to the newer content uh, more quickly. Something like this. So like a streaming service style subscription model. Exactly. Maybe. I have no idea. It makes sense. I I could 100% see that. Because how many, you know, I'm I'm, right. They know their statistics. Uh, Tyler, you buy every book. Yeah. Okay. I think you're probably an anomaly. I think most people are maybe one book, two books a year. But if they get access to everything, they'll pay, you know, they'll pay Watsi 120 bucks a year, right? And if you're sitting at home listening to this and wincing and saying, please stop putting these ideas out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I think that the internet would accept that as an either-or model. Like, you can either buy the things and own them forever and then pay the current existing small subscription to, you know, get your uh, infinite characters or, you know, pay a little bit more to share your content with your group. Or you can pay your five bucks a month and get access to everything, and then 10 bucks a month gets you access to everything, but it gets you the new books for the first two, three months that no one else gets. Yeah. Even more everything. And I think that as long <laughs> as that was an either-or, that's fine. That does allow people to choose. You know, maybe maybe you do just want to hop in and be like, I want to hop in. I want to design 30 characters in my first three months of having touched this game. Give me every book right now. And now you'd be like, okay, I am done with this. I'm going to go back to being <laughs> like a player in some campaigns. And I just want to go buy these four books. But honestly, as a trial variant, like I want to try having access to Tatasha's and where then you either have to keep paying the money every month or you just go buy Tasha's. I could actually see value in that. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people and it's the unfortunate nature of that business model. There's a lot of people who would, uh, use it for a couple of months and then swear to themselves, I'm going to get a campaign going any month now. So they would just keep it there. <laughs> this is a reminder. Anybody who has a Paramount plus subscription going, it, you still have that going. <laughs> well, there goes another person who will never sponsor us. <laughs> where, where else am I going to watch that Cortana show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You did this, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was totally my fault. Um, Cool. Tyler. Okay, so I know everyone on the internet, including me, hopes for this, and I still doubt that it's going to happen, but some kind of integration between the physical copies of the books and the D&D Beyond license for the books, something, anything, throw us a bone there, guys. Like, Watsi has historically done the thing where they'll only do the alternate covers in friendly local game stores to motivate people to go buy them from your friendly local game store instead of getting it from Amazon. Because uh, your your local game store is very much an integral part of this hobby, and if they go away, the hobby loses something very special. Encouraging people to go into those stores to buy those things, we know that wizards can do that. Why can't they do that with, like, you buy your physical book, here's a coupon, a couple bucks off of the digital copy if you want it. If if you don't want to use it, you can give the coupon to somebody else, sure, but that person is still going to go buy the book from D&D Beyond, so it's no great loss. Like, 
this would be very, very easy for them to do. They no longer have the issue of like, we can't make that happen because we're licensing this stuff to another company who doesn't want us to cut into their profit. So like, it's suddenly way easier for them to do this. I still don't think they're going to do it, but I'm willing to be wrong. You would love it, in fact. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. I. Not only do I buy every book, I go down to my local game store, buy a physical copy, and buy a copy on D&D Beyond because I'm insane and because I run this crazy website where I write about D&D all day. No, that makes sense. I think it, it – what's hard to put it? It would be so consumer-focused – and and bluntly, even if a few things happened in the background that folks viewed slightly negatively or weren't so excited about, I think doing that one thing would kind of smooth everything else out. Where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't care that you're charging me for miniatures and D Beyond or something, or <laughs> or you're you're showing me dice skin every time I go to roll dice because hey, at least you know I got a good discount on my books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can buy a lot of goodwill with the discount. Uh, so something that I hope they won't do, I hope that they don't build themselves a virtual tabletop. Uh, there have been kind of vague rumors and like trial balloons from the D&D Beyond team about building their own virtual tabletop. And there are a lot of companies doing that very, very well to cater to a broad variety of tastes. So if they do this, it's going to be hard and expensive and they're going to be competing with a lot of very very specifically dedicated companies who do nothing but this and i'm sure the people on the dnd beyond team are like yeah we can build a virtual tabletop and i like i'm not going to question their capability to do it but that will be expensive scary hard and probably won't work out and the last time wizards of the coast tried to build a virtual tabletop it was fourth edition and it was a steaming failure for a variety of reasons that are way longer than this episode no that's fair and and i think the point that you made is is in my mind the the best point there are a lot of fantastic vtts out there today partner with them right like yeah. taking what what exists in dnd beyond fixing the edge cases like random talked about and then providing that api as a plugin and then working out whatever deal you need to do that so that, you know, there's a strict partnership. Everybody understands how to come to the table. If I have a great idea for VTT and I want to, and I also want to support D and D I can come to the table too. And I can build on top of that. That would be fantastic. Right. They, they already do some of that. Like the, the in roll 20, you can purchase the officially licensed versions of Watsy campaigns. And like, it just loads everything in for you. It, like it, you know, all the monsters are there on the DM layer. So you can just bring them in. It's got stat blocks. It's got tons of stuff. So, like, they're, they would be competing against someone they are already officially licensed to who is doing it really well with an enormous community. Please just don't. Yeah. Please just don't. <laughs> I want to take your dream one step further, all right? Imagine if they develop the asset kits to go along with the adventure books as adventure books come out. And then uh, if they could work into that licensing, that I'm allowed to take... You know, I buy this adventure and I'm allowed to take this adventure to Roll20 and redeem it with them. And so now, you know, I've, I've taken this adventure to Roll20. I play it there. It's great for Roll20 because there's a customer I built in who's super excited to play it. It's great for me as a consumer because I bought the book. Now I want to play the adventure online. It's great for D&D because, right, they're scraping money from everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still think it's unlikely, unfortunately. But again, willing to be wrong. <laughs> Maybe they'll surprise us and do a bunch of really cool stuff that lets us do things like that. So. Well, we believe in them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have I have a super easy win. And hey, D&D Beyond team, if you're out there listening, I've got a really easy feature request for you. I would like a clone character button. So here Ooh. at RPG Bot, 
we like to build characters. Sometimes we build characters and post like, here's how you build and play this character on our website and like detailed instructions. Here's your build at every level. If there was a clone character button, people could go into D and D beyond and say like, I would be interested in playing this character. Click clone. It shows up in their account. Now they have that character. So like, they'll still have to buy the books to build the characters, it saves them a bunch of time clicking around trying to copy paste exactly what we have built for the website. Like it gets a bunch, bunch of people to go from our website to their website and potentially like buy books to play these characters. So like easy win for them. I'm sure it's not very technically difficult to implement. I am a web developer. <laughs> like I, I have a passing familiarity with how these things work. He's seen in the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh DD beyond team, please. All right. Yeah. So that was a huge week. I, I'm pretty excited to see where this goes. I think ultimately we're going to have to wait through the rest of this year to see how the fallout from all of these things goes. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You can find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for sourcebooks and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. As a, I mean, as a, like, actual TV show, it was pretty decent. 